This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 166 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you can find me on social media throughout the week. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I want to start off today by thanking everyone that messaged me or commented about last week's episode. People seemed really interested in the Refractor Binder project, as was I when I saw other people doing this, so I'm excited to see where this thing goes. In fact, the night that that episode was published, someone reached out to me about trading for their 9697 Topps Chrome Refractors of Rick Smiths and Mark Jackson. I'll talk more about that transaction when those are in hand, but that was a pleasant and fun surprise. Uh, By the way, if you want to see a visual of what my progress looks like so far, I posted a video on my YouTube channel on Monday. Make sure to check that out if you haven't already. As for today's episode, I'm going to share a couple pieces of mail real quick here at the top. I've got the newest installment of Collector Classifieds. And then for today's main segment, I've got a conversation with Alex, aka Connell underscore collection on Instagram. You might remember him from episode 118 as the card pyramid guy. Well, he's back with some updates on that pyramid and also some exciting developments revolving around his art and tops. So you want to make sure to stay tuned for that. Okay, on to the mail. I've got two cards to share with you today that came in this week. They're similar in many ways, but also very different in their own right. The first card was a 2020-2021 Flawless Patch of Malcolm Brogdon, numbered 14 of 15. And you might remember that I picked up a different Brogdon Flawless patch about three weeks ago that had a big chunk of the Motorola logo. Uh, This one features a piece of the gold statement jersey and what looks like a big piece of the A from Indiana. It's the same style jersey he's depicted wearing in the card, so it all goes together really well. You know, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Um, I'm also a sucker for nice flawless patches in general, which leads me to my second mail day which was a 2020-2021 Flawless Emerald patch of Slater Martin. I know that's not necessarily a household name, but I was super excited to see his name on the checklist when it came out. Uh, Apparently a handful of other people were too, because every time one of these patches showed up, they've sold for like $100 plus. Um, Now, Slater Martin played in the NBA from 1949 to 1960, and contributed to a couple of really good teams along the way. Uh, He started his career with the Minneapolis Lakers, who he won four titles with. He spent 13 games with the Knicks in 56, and then he rounded out his career with the St. Louis Hawks, where he won another title in 1958. 
and then he was named an All-Star a total of seven times. When you look at his averages for his first handful of years, and, and really his career as a whole, 10 points and 4 rebounds a game might not seem all that impressive, but you have to remember that this was pre-shot clock era. And a lot of times the team that had the lead heading into the fourth quarter would just try and dribble the clock out the rest of the game. Um, the league average was hovering around 80 points per game, so you know individual averages were naturally lower as well. Um, well, then they added the shot clock in 1954, and the league average jumped uh, to around 93 points, and Martin's scoring went up almost four points per game in the process. I mentioned earlier that these things have been selling fairly well. You know, that, that might cause you to question, well, why is that? Um, you know, I, I kind of had the same question at first, too, and then I thought about it. You know, I, I don't want to necessarily say they're popular. I don't think there are a lot of people chasing them. Um, and, and even some of the guys that are Hall of Fame collectors, I don't think that A, they realize this card exists, and then B, some of them might not be aware of the fact that Slater Martin's part of the Hall of Fame, just because he doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, either way, there just aren't that many of these patch pieces to go around, and that's kind of representative of any of these pre-1960 relics as a whole. Um, so after losing out on some of the more plain relics for this uh, Slater Martin card here, I decided to finally just pay up for a nicer patch when I saw one. So the copy I got is the bottom portion of the W in Hawks. And I haven't seen a Martin jersey sell anytime soon on any of the big auction houses, so I'm not sure where Panini got this. You know, I always like to see pictures of the source material, especially for this older stuff. Uh, there was a white Hawks jersey that sold one of, uh, via one of the big auction houses back in 2006. I think there's a decent chance it's the same one, but I can't tell for certain. Um, there can't be too many of these things still around, though, so I'm really excited to add it to my collection. Uh, make sure to check it out on my social media if you haven't already. Hi, this is Kyle, Instagram user Kyle underscore collects. I'm currently building the 2011 Goodwin Champions autograph set. I'm also looking for 2008 Eric Gordon autographs, inserts, and parallels. Definitely feel free to reach out and let me know what you have, and thanks for your help. So here we have another collector named Kyle, and he didn't mention it in this particular clip, but I know he also collects goats from all different sports. I think I even saw a Richard Petty rookie on his profile at one point. We've interacted some over the last couple years, and he seems like a really good guy. Um, I know there has to be a whole slew of random 2008 Eric Gordon stuff stashed away in some of your boxes, so now's the time to dig those out. Let's see if we can help Kyle find what he's looking for. All right, before I move into today's conversation with Alex, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hustle, grind, spam, profit. We're the Whip Gods. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, joining me today is someone you've heard on the show before, and he's even influenced several pyramid-related questions since then. But the last time we chatted was almost a year ago uh, on episode 118. 
Some of you might know him from Instagram as Connell underscore collection. Alex, it's good to have you back, man. How's it going? Um, busy life right now with teaching and kids and NBA playoffs. And a lot of that is combining to little sleep, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Now, um, you mentioned the playoffs here last year. When I talked to you, I believe your Miami heat squad was in the process uh, of being swept and I'm not trying to open up old wounds <laughs> here. I, you know, we both know my team sucks, but, um, <laughs> they were, they were in the process of being swept by the bucks. Uh, they've avoided them so far this year. In fact, it looks like they might have a little easier road. What do you think about the Heat's chances this year? A lot of their chances to me come down to their health. You just check right before the game and you don't know whether Lowry or Butler or Hero are even going to play. So that's been very stressful on me. But I will be honest with you, based on what's happened in last year's playoffs, it's hard for me to get overly excited. I think they're a much better team than last year, but at some point they're going to have to get through the Bucs. Um, I know a couple Celtics fans aren't going to like my take that that series will be over a lot sooner than they would like. I got a lot of arguments last couple days over that whole series with Milwaukee and Boston. But let me just say this. The East runs through Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I'm not too excited about Miami having to play them next round if they both get there. That's my honest answer. I'd like to say Miami can get back to the finals, but I'm not so confident well, I can definitely tell you've been enjoying the playoffs and enjoying some of these tough battles that we've seen, even the, the non-heat ones. And I got to say, it seems like you're perfectly comfortable making an occasional impulse buy after you see something you like. Uh, I've seen a few of those on your profile recently. Talk to me about your thought process behind that. As I mentioned, I'm watching basically every single playoff game. And like you said, I have a real problem with the impulse buying, but it's only with a few players, thankfully. I've already got all my Miami Heat stuff, so I'm safe watching those games. Out of nowhere this year, though, I wasn't expecting to love Anthony Edwards as much as I did, but the comparisons to Dwayne Wade are very much there for me. So just the way he plays, the way he carries himself, and they get into the playoffs, basically on his backs through those couple of playing games. Then he averages over 20 a game against the Grizzlies. Watched all seven games of that series. Sorry, all six. Out of nowhere, I'm all of a sudden on eBay looking in Facebook groups and all of a sudden I've spent over $500 in a week on Anthony Edwards cards. And now that they're out, all those people who said slow down a little bit, they were, they were probably right. But I did not learn my lesson at all as I just spent a substantial amount on a nice Giannis rookie auto for a set I'm building. But I say it was for a set I'm building, but a lot of it is the impulse buy of watching him stick it to the Celtics because I live in New England as a Heat fan. <laughs> well, I talked about this way back on my uh, TJ Warren segment when he dropped 53 points in the bubble. Probably the last, aside from uh, the trade, probably the last exciting thing to happen to the Pacers, sadly. But yeah. um, impulse buys can be dangerous. Now, um, I was I was very cautious with what I did. You know, a lot of times you can get burnt if you're doing them for the wrong reason. But there are some times where we do impulse buys on purpose and we recognize what's happening. Like with the TJ Warren has said, you know what, I'm going to buy something that commemorates this moment. If it goes down in value, that's fine. You know, I just want something to remember this by. Um, and I chose a reactive orange parallel from Mosaic. So that was like a $3 card, <laughs> but um, I was definitely looking for something a little bit nicer. I just didn't see anything that caught my eye, but um, you know, you can buy whatever you like, and that's pretty much what you've done here. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So a lot has happened since we last chatted, including 
baby number two for you. So congratulations to that. Um, Thank you very much. I figured we could take a handful of the card related happenings and run through them today. Last week, I talked about a project that I had started, which was the refractor binder. Um, And I noticed you've started a card related project of your own, or at least one that I know of. You might have some more going on, but you've started a Lakers project. So tell me about that and what's going on with that. So basically for that, the 1999 Lakers, I know this is probably not a fun topic for you with your another painful Pacers. This, uh, this just keeps happening. I'm not trying to do this, I promise. But when I was eight years old in 1999, that was the first series I remember staying up for. And my dad let me watch it because Glenn Rice was on the Lakers. For those who don't know, he was very close to getting traded midseason for Scottie Pippen in Portland. I'm glad that didn't happen. But he ended up on that Lakers championship team and I've been trying to do things in my collecting that are more personal to me and things that are more meaningful. And I I really thought about the fact that I would like to do something to remember the fact that that was the first championship that I can remember being excited about. I mean, I was seven, six, five for all the Bulls ones. I don't remember any of those really. And anyone who says they remember at my age are lying, but that's okay. That Lakers team, I did some looking at my collection and I already had Shaq. Kobe and Glenn Rice autograph. So I figured the rest would be a pretty easy get until someone mentioned to me that there was a poker autograph out there of an owner. Yeah, I'll have to get Mr. Bus at some point. Yeah, he's he's got a few. I think he might have a leaf autograph as well. Had no idea those existed. I figure, um, you know, you might wait until after winning time. I'm, I don't know, you know, his, his name is out there a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And then there is a very small amount of Phil Jackson autograph stuff. And we had talked about getting a little creative with that. I don't know how much I want to do that or how I'll attack that, but with all the Bulls people out there, it's not going to be an easy get to get Phil Jackson. Yeah, that's that's the whole 1999 Lakers thing. I just want to have everyone on the team. And I've got a team photo that I'm using on Snapchat, just adding in a check mark on the players once I get their autograph. It's a little weird way of keeping track of it, but I'm a visual person, so I can't do the Excel thing as well as you can. <laughs> well, I, I build the spreadsheets, but I can't say I maintain them. Maybe if, if things were pictures, I would maintain them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, another visual project that you've started, uh, and we talked about quite a bit on your last appearance here, was your collecting pyramid. And it's, you know, you've shared that on social media, you've talked about that. And it's gained some traction since then, too. I know, you know, other people have caught on and I hear a lot of people talking about their collecting pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to recap things a year ago, I want to talk about what your pyramid looked like then. So you had four tiers at the very top. Um, you had D Wade and tier two, you had Wilt Chamberlain and Glenn Rice. Uh, tier three, you had Tyler Hero, Chris Bosch, LeBron James and Matt Bonner. And then tier four, you had Bam. You had Jordan, you had Kobe, and you had Carmelo. Uh, Now, I know there's one guy in particular that I thought should have been on there 11 months ago and wasn't. Uh, It's likely he's on there now, though. I'm curious to see, has your pyramid changed any? Have you added that person in, Mr. Russell, or have you added anyone else as well? Um, Yeah, we had talked about it then. Not many lists Bill Russell gets left off of, but somehow I managed to make it happen. I would say he's not even on tier four. Or three, I would probably honestly put him on the second tier now. When it comes to my eBay searches, he's at least once a day. To this day, I don't know how I managed to leave him off the list because with his connection with Wilt and, you know, he's kind of in the incredible set that I completed this in the last year. 
and just the 61 Fleer stuff. I don't know how I managed to snub him. I, I think you were waiting <laughs> until you had that incredible. Yeah. I, I really think that's what it was. <laughs> I, I think you, know, you couldn't feel like you were a, a Russell collector until you had that. Although, did you have other Russell autos? Kind of is a weird way to say that, but my wife has her Celtics collection. And I remember we bought half a box of Absolute 1617 and I got a nice diamond stone patch to 10. So I was very happy about that. Clippers legend. Oh yeah. And then we're in the car and she opens hers and she pulled a Bill Russell autograph on card to 60. So that one's in the house. There's a 61 Fleer that my brother bought me for the inaction was for $30 many, many years ago. That was a nice buy on his end. And then I've got the cotton dual patches that not patches, but you know, the big fluff ball that's coming out of the, mm-hmm. yeah, my dad bought that when I was younger at a card show that he took me to. So a lot of those types of memories of Bill Russell stuff, there's another reason why it's kind of ridiculous that I didn't think to put them on there. And then the last one I want to mention is when we went to Kentucky, my wife and I to hang out with Jimmy and meet him the first time. And he had gifted me that Wilt Chamberlain. He also brought a lot of Celtic stuff out. And for my wife, he said, you can pick one thing. And I'm not, these weren't just normal, small Celtics things. Like one of the options was the bird magic and Julia serving triple rookie. So just the big stuff like that. And my wife has always loved the autographs. So she elected to go with the uh, Larry Bird and Bill Russell dual booklet autograph. I think that was a good choice. That one's in the collection as well. So yeah, a lot of great memories in my collecting life are connected to Bill Russell. And then getting that incredible is just the icing on the cake because the amount of work that went into it and how gracious Jonathan basketball card guy was to help me with that whole project. I go down to a card shop two minutes away from Gillette Stadium in Massachusetts. That's our halfway point, which is kind of cool, but we made the deal in person and it's a great moment. So, but yeah, it's a lot of Bill Russell stuff in my card life these days. So, and the other thing, the last thing I'll add for my pyramid is I don't think I have bought a card of Carmelo Anthony since we talked about him being on the pyramid last. So we can, we can get rid of him. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Maybe once he's retired and people come around a little bit more on Carmelo, then maybe he'll make his way back in there as well. Um, Russell there, I don't think there's any danger of him falling out of that pyramid. And um, speaking of Bill Russell, you talked about your on-card autos. I got to talk about mine because Mm -hmm. I didn't mention it on this week's mail segment. I probably should have, but um, I got a ComC shipment this week and it, and I put that video on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long. So I didn't talk about it on the mail segment here, but uh, it included a nice, Optic Contenders Hollow Bill Russell on-card auto, which was my first licensed on-card auto of Russell. Um, and it's an 83 Donruss tribute set. And I, I figure this is as good as time as any. You know, as I mentioned last week, ComC has signed on as a sponsor of the show. So um, I want to take a quick moment to note that ComC continues to offer 50% off processing fees for all newly released trading card consignments with their ComC Fresh Pulls program to qualify Cards must be received within 90 days of the hobby release date and submitted using the Elite Selector Mailbox Processing Service level. So if you're someone that rips new product, you might want to take advantage of that. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckoutMyCards. Alex, I'm not going to speak for you here, but I know you're a fellow ComC user. In fact, I saw that ComC watermark on that Giannis auto that you picked up earlier. So it seems like you're taking advantage of that site as well. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, it's just, it's a great place to work on the smaller stuff in sets as well. 
Sometimes I'll go through, and I know I listened to your podcast last week about adding those refractors for so cheap. Like even when I was looking for some 1415 Glen Rice prism stuff, like the prisms, the silvers, the variations, I was able to go through and just add them all to my cart so easily and make it one big checkout. And then the other thing I use ComC for, if you go through and you like search things and you click on the sold section, mm-hmm. I use, because I love building things with all the images and I put them into Word documents to kind of keep track of sets that way. Just the fact that there's such a database of images of cards on ComC, I think that's heavily underused by people. Maybe people aren't as crazy as me to have to put all of Dwayne Wade's immaculate cards on one word doc, but. Well, I don't think they realize that that is kind of a a hidden feature on there. And I don't even know Mm -hmm. if it's intentional on ComC's part, but um, it's very useful for research purposes. I've used it for patch research. Mm -hmm. I use it on, um, on Reddit all the time because people are always asking what parallel is this, or, you know, what, what card is this because they can't find it in the current listings. Well, just click sold out and it'll show you all of that other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, a few more topics here before we go. I got to bring this up here. I was messaging you a week or two ago and I, I don't even remember what the topic was, but you casually mentioned that Glenn Rice told you something, uh, you know, just kind of slipped that phrase in there. And I look, I know he's at the top of your pyramid and everything, but I didn't know you and Glenn had that kind of a relationship. So what were the two of you talking about and why? That's a very interesting question. My brothers have often um, called it a bluff, called it a fake account, but Glenn's now got the blue check mark next to his name. So there's no disputing that I wasn't talking to some weird fake Glenn Rice person. But for many years, we've shot messages back and forth. I've just asked some questions and I don't necessarily know what the first question I asked was, but to get a very thorough, long response from him, that kind of opened things up. And it'll be something as simple as I'll say happy anniversary to him and he'll get back to me and say thank you. We'll have conversations about kind of cool things like raising kids and family. And it comes in waves. Sometimes we'll talk more often than other times. But just the fact that we are able to have conversations, if I have a question for him about cards or anything like that, he's always very quick to answer. He is one of the major players I collect. Like he knows I've sent him pictures of all my collection and things like that. And The one time I asked him to sign something, the 1989 Sports Illustrated where he's on the cover when they won the championship, I told him just in conversation, I said, that's that's the one thing. If I could get something signed by you, that's always the one thing I've wanted. And he just said, well, send it to me, get one and I'll sign it for you and send it right back. So he's always just been a class act. Anyone who's ever met him will confirm that. Everyone who has met them that knows me will tell me, you were right. He's unbelievable. And it's good to hear that he's that way in person, too. Um, to your question of what we were talking about last week, the, I know shocking, we're going to bring up the incredible set again, but that shocked a lot of people to find out that his card is actually the hardest card to get in the entire set. Nat Turner pulled one in a box he did a year or two ago, and you're only supposed to get one auto per box. And he got two and one of them was a Glenn Rice. And everybody in the comments who knew was like commenting, like, I don't think you realize how hard of a card that is to get. And like Bill Russell, when I get all those messages of, is this available? Glenn Rice is another one people always ask about. The one I have, other than Nat's poll, is the only one I've ever seen. I believe a good friend of mine, Michael Petkus, I think he has one, but Glenn told me that he did in fact sign about 20 of them. And in comparison, I believe Wilt signed close to 300. I would think they had guys like Eric Snow sign five, 600. 
Mark Jackson and Jalen Rose, they've there's some Pacers for you. They've got a lot. Mm-hmm. But Glenn Rice, for some reason, he signed less than half of what he did for the level two, which is number to 41. Right. So, yeah. So the way it's supposed to be is there there's a base version, the level one, and then which is more common. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the level two version is numbered to their to the player's jersey number. Yeah. So a guy like Glenn Rice, you know, oh, well, there's still 41 copies out there. That's mm-hmm. hard enough to track down. Uh, and then now he's saying he signed probably half that amount for the level one. So um, interesting, you know, and, and who else would know that information? Maybe an upper deck rep if, if he did remember it, if it wasn't just another day of getting cards signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's surprising sometimes even when the athletes remember this information. I don't know if you remember when I asked David Harrison about his exquisite cards and he's kind of like, I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And it it was like a shot in the dark thing because Glenn Rice has been signing autographs for cards, even for as long as cards have had autographs on them. He's in all those original sets in the late nineties. So thousands and thousands of cards he has signed. So I just, I took a flyer one day and messaged them because I can name at least five collectors who need that Glenn Rice autograph. Mm Mm-hmm. And many asked me, do you know where I can get a second one? I said, it took me well over five years to find one for myself. So I just tell anyone who needs that Glenn Rice, whether they're a Rice collector or a set builder, if one pops up, go ahead and grab it. And because be ready to pay up. Yep, pay it. Well, the interesting thing is one of the people I know that has one, I think the guy listed it for like $40, buy it now. Mm-hmm. And I think if he had known <laughs> what, what we know, Right, that guy, that guy could have added at least another zero. He on probably the end of that. thought he was was making out really well because you know Rice autos are pretty common, and and that yeah. would be pretty high for a Glenn Rice auto. So uh, mm-hmm. it's always funny how that works. You know, it's probably this is why you go to card shows. By the way, yep. it's probably <laughs> in someone's five dollar box. There's probably a few of them floating around. Um, you, you just never know. Well, it's kind of piggybacking on that. It's kind of like my friend up in Canada who keeps finding all the tops photo shoot autographs and dollar boxes. Mm-hmm. Those cards are not dollar cards by any means. And he's messaged me. Do you have the Michael Petrus one? Do you have this one? I'm like, Nope, I don't have TJ Ford. <laughs> oh, I'll grab it for you. It's a few bucks. Okay. It's important to know your sets. It's important to know, you know, players specifics of sets, all those things matter, especially when you are um, trying to do all that, that digging, right. All that little stuff helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of Glenn Rice signing cards, another product that he signed for that just came out um, and has been receiving a little attention. I think it finally sold out on Topps website, but that was uh, 2021 Topps Finest Basketball. Uh, we saw some info about this get leaked out a while ago, and we saw guys like Kenny Anderson and Detlef Shrimp signing cards with a Finest logo. Um, it you know definitely looked like it was going to be an unlicensed product, and that is in fact what it is. They, all the guys are in street clothes. What's your level of excitement for this release? You know, it varies. When I had originally saw Glenn Rice was on the set, I got really excited. Guys like Dirk Nowitzki, Vince Carter, a lot of guys that even if they're not on my pyramid, they're cards I would like to get. I think financially, I'm happy. Dwayne Wade's not in there. I know he's with Panini pretty heavily now. As for my excitement, I do have to go with your thought of that they're not in jerseys. It's hard for me to say because I wish they were in jerseys. I don't know the the details or what they can and can't do. Um, we had talked about just even doing a more close-up in the jersey so the licensing issue wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wish I could say more on what is a, is not allowed, but I'll probably still go ahead and grab some Glenn Rice stuff. Past that, I was, I was originally thinking of 
buying a couple boxes just because I love the Topps Finest brand. Right. It's as good as it gets when it comes to basketball. I know a lot of people collect that stuff. So it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see with the whole Fanatics thing, if this is them testing the waters for when they get the brand. Yeah. And, and we knew, you know, we kind of knew that this was coming beforehand. So I don't know how much involvement Fanatics had. And then now we got the Tops Chrome Overtime Elite, which I don't, yeah, I think that had already been planned out as well. But you have to think that Fanatics, you know, is keeping an eye on this. And, um, you know, they're, they're really uh, banking on nostalgia here. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that works to an extent, but at some point then you got to put something else behind it as well. So I'm hoping that once, you know, all the licenses line up and everything happens that uh, they've got that all figured out. That way you can get your Tyrese Halliburton refractors because, yes. you know, he's somehow a pacer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. I got my tops binder. I got my Panini binder. That Panini binder's got about five years left in it, which will be perfect. I'm hoping then to go to another tops binder and start with those refractors again. Um, speaking of tops products though, I guess, you know, maybe it's not really fair for me to ask you to critique tops because, um, and this is something exciting because you've done a little bit of work for them recently. Uh, congratulations on becoming a sketch card artist for, um, I believe now multiple star Wars, major star Wars trading card releases. That's definitely new since we last chatted. So tell you know, what happened? Tell me how all that came to be and, and what that process involved. First off, thank you. It's kind of surreal. The craziest thing in this whole thing is that if I type my name in on eBay, things come up. It's <laughs> just a very weird feeling, but as for how I got involved, there's a great, great Instagram account named Game Worn Guru. And I believe he used to work with Panini. He's now with Tops. And um, our good friend Jimmy, as many people know in the card world, he kind of introduced us. And he had seen some of my artwork on my Instagram account. And he had reached out if asking, do you want to do some sketch work? And you get this question of, do you want to do some artwork for Star Wars? It's like, the Star Wars? Are you sure this isn't some parody thing? It, it's very surreal and you get, you get the contracts from like Lucas films and tops about what's allowed and what's not allowed and things like that. And it's very surreal to read through all that stuff. And honestly, probably my favorite part of the whole sketch thing is they send you one of those blue markers that the players use to sign mm-hmm. the back. Let me tell you, writing with that thing, that's a dream. Like a Luma uh, color. Yeah. Those, yeah. those markers, those are different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very surreal. I wish I could do more. I have turned down a few sets just because of, you know, kids and work and things like that. But I tell them to keep me in the loop if things align. Like I was able to do the masterwork set because that was when Christmas vacation was for my school. So I was able to just sit down and knock out a bunch of those at once. Going forward, I'm definitely hoping to do more stuff. I know this this summer I'm going to have a lot of time off. So I told some of the people at Tops that I would like to do things in the summer, but right now I just, I don't have the time. Right. So now do they like say, Hey, you know, draw us Chewbacca or like, do they give you a specific image that they want you to draw? How does this work? It's very open-ended as for the sets I've done. They literally say right in the contract, it's anything from the star Wars universe. So if it's something like the Mandalorian releases, any of the even like the animated Disney shows that the kids watch, I think I'm pretty sure you're allowed to do them from that. You can draw who you want, how you want, as long as it's within their, they're not even strict guidelines, but just making sure things are appropriate and things like that. But my goal 
And what I've done each time is I try to do one drawing of each of the main characters. So I do 30 sketches for each set that I sign up for. And before I even start, I'll make my checklist of Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Yoda, and I'll just work my way down that because it kind of helps me game plan. Like if the deadline's coming up in two weeks and I still have about 10 drawings to do, I got to make sure I do at least one each night when the kids go to bed. So it's a nice process. Um, They're really good about deadlines because they understand that these things take time. And it's a really flattering thing. It's unbelievably rewarding to see. When I was applying to get an art job a few years ago, I put that on my resume that I did the work for Tops with Star Wars. And a couple of the teachers on the hiring committee were massive Star Wars fans. So our interview took a turn where all they wanted to do was ask about that. <laughs> like I've done a couple of sketches, not through Tops, but I've done sketches for those guys who helped me get hired as the art teacher at the school I work at as a thank you. So I tell people, I even told the people who got me the job with Tops that they're the reason why I have an art teaching job. And it, it really did change my life in a lot of different ways. So it's a funny way of legitimizing your artwork, I would say, because yeah. my whole life I've just been sitting drawing pictures of Dwayne Wade and Wilt Chamberlain and things like that. Now it's got more of a purpose. You mentioned drawing pictures of these basketball players. I know the wheels in your head have to be spinning because you're drawing stuff for Tops. You mm-hmm. love drawing NBA players. Tops is getting the license back soon. You you see where I'm going with this, right? I know you mm-hmm. thought about it. Yeah, that would that'd be a dream come true. As a kid, I used to write essays about how my dream job was to be a photographer for the NBA because I'd get to sit courtside and, you know, who wouldn't want to do that? That'd be amazing. Like you said, if, if that whole thing could come together and line up the way I would like it to, I would I would absolutely love to do NBA sketch stuff. Yeah, that would be a dream come true for me because it would combine every passion I have. And it's not that I don't love Star Wars, but other than my family, nothing is on top of basketball. So that's the top of the mountain for my art career, I would say. Well, fingers crossed, we'll be rooting for you there. Uh, I don't know if any of those sketches would top the Jeff Foster that you sent me, but uh, <laughs> it would give me something else to chase nonetheless. I know I'd be uh, eBaying your name a little bit more after that, I think. Um, Alex, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Before I let you go, feel free, if you want to plug anything, any of your social media handles or anything you're looking for, I know you've got all these projects, feel free to do so. These next few moments are yours. All right. Um, the the two things I would like to say to wrap this up. One is I am working on the 2013-14 Pinnacle set, the autograph set that has a disgusting 200 card checklist. I'm going to do a Zenfolio thing like you've talked about to put it all in. And the way I'm going to organize it is by the year they were drafted into the NBA. Okay. So that's my plan with that. And I say that to say the amount of people who have sent me even things like an Alex Len $2 autograph or Nate Walters or any, any of the small names, those types of care packages in the mail. Most people don't care if you get a Ricky Lito Mavericks rookie auto, but those mean the world to me. And I would, I say that because I just want to encourage people to send the care packages out, do those nice things for each other. Because I know if I'm having a down day and then I get a care package from someone out of nowhere, that personally for me, just, flips my whole day around in a good way. So that would be the one thing I would want to say is find ways to make the hobby a better place. If it's something as small as a $2 autograph, that means something, you know, how much that means to someone. Like if someone sends you a Pacers autograph, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether it's worth a dollar or 30. So that would be my last word would be to encourage everyone to take those acts and don't just think about doing them. Go ahead and 
get them out to people. All right. Well, that is a great note to end on and, and something that we definitely need to be very mindful of. Alex, thanks again. We'll be keeping in touch. All right. Thank you. I look forward to hearing more episodes down the road. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Alex again for coming on the show. Um, He's been a big part of the Instagram basketball card community, and it was nice to kind of catch up with him a little bit. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>